welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today's episode will be a little bit different. We are going to be discussing American politics. Are things getting better or are things getting worse? And uh, this was an interesting one for me as I know very little about politics, but I really wanted to do an episode on this subject because I want to learn more. I would like to be more involved in politics, be more educated. Um, It seems like something that we all need to be doing uh, if you are indeed an American citizen. Uh, We are certainly in in interesting times right now politically, and uh, I would like to know what's happening and what might be happening in the future and uh, how to get there. So uh, to help us today is our guest, Jacques Entoma, and he uh, has a legal practice that specializes in workplace investigations and providing counsel to small businesses, but he also is very, very politically involved and politically knowledgeable, Uh, and you can hear his stand-up actually on Instagram at Jack Michelles, Jack, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-S. And uh, so that is our guest today. And uh, to help us along as the moderator is Brandon Burkhart. Brandon Burkhart is the head writer for the satirical late night talk show, The Nightcap with Stacey Rumiker, which is at 10.30 p.m. on the third Friday of every month at the Pack Theater in Hollywood. So if you live in L.A., you can go ahead and check that out. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Burkhart Brandon, B-U-R-K-H-A-R-T Brandon. So that's our panel, and uh, this was an interesting one for me because it's the first time that both the guest and moderator know tremendously more than I do about the subject. Uh, I have sort of my little opinions. They're not based on too much, but I I really want to learn, and I did learn a lot in this episode, and uh, I hope you will too. So let's get into this episode. Is American politics getting better or worse? Hello, my name is Brandon Burkhart. I am a comedy writer, and we're here to talk about the state of American politics. Is it getting better or is it getting worse? Cool. So, yeah, I guess I'll start. Uh, and uh, this is going to be a little tough for me. I'm definitely out of my comfort zone. You guys know I'm always uh, talking more about science, but I am interested in politics and I want to learn a little more here. So, I'm going to take the side of it's getting worse. I just see. If I look at what started with like Reagan and going through till now and uh, economic policy and all that kind of stuff, it just seems to be getting worse. And I'm not just talking about the current administration. I just think in general, it seems to be in a very bad spot. So that's the stance that I'm going to take now, Jacques. Uh, I'm Jacques Antoma. I think that politics is getting, well, I wouldn't, I don't know, better, but it is becoming more, I, I certainly don't think we're on some like road to hell. I, I think no dystopian future coming right up. No, I okay. mean we, we still have like an existing form of government. Uh, insofar as uh, the executive is not being checked, that's a function of Congress being the way it is, and that's a function of our electorate being the way it is. So uh, I don't. I, I certainly don't think we're going into some some hellhole. I think some policy decisions we don't like them, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a reflection of everything you know everything is trash that sort of mentality i I don't disagree with that okay okay is there anything that you can trace in the past few decades that you would believe is quantitatively getting better you know like can you point to economics or foreign policy or domestic policy or anything and go this i think this is getting better well, it's, I mean, the thing is, obviously, like economic, like wealth distribution is getting worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, voter engagement is sort of that's like a tricky one. I, th- I think it's 
that may be the silver lining of the Trump administration. I think, I mean, I, I don't even know if that is. <laughs> oh, right. But we're, we're but, not sure of that yet because um, there's a lot of talk, of, there's protests and talk about being engaged, but will mm -hmm. people show up? Will they show up? At the actual to, voting day. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, we, we will see. Yeah, and then also, uh, I mean, another thing is sort of like what, what form do we want? Even if there is political engagement, what form is it? What form is it going to take? Like, is mm -hmm. it going to? I mean, certainly, I think it's good to have an open discussion about the economy. I think, like, insofar as that's happening, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I think it's like a really distorted one. But uh, the well, I mean, I guess recently, yeah, the economy is improving, mm -hmm. uh, and that's controversial in itself. During but to time. me, so and I, it's, I, you know, I really hope to be educated in yeah. this area here, yeah. uh, and I welcome any anything from you guys. I, it, to me, it seems that when we talk about economy getting better, and we talk about, um, you know, gross domestic product and all that stuff, we don't. It doesn't help us, right? It, the the public isn't seeing that that profit right i mean we're seeing multinational corporations getting richer and richer and richer and richer and we're not right so when we're talking it's sort of like this weird conversation where we're 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 talking about the economy but we're not talking about our you know we're not talking about wages yeah i don't know like I, I would like to be convinced otherwise from this disparaging viewpoint that just the corporatocracy is taking over and we're just screwed you know mm. but there's also a lot of cases where there's an economic bubble and then when it bursts we see that it was kind of a fake bubble to mm -hmm. begin with because we have uh, the economy in a good state numbers wise but with the tariffs kicking in and trade wars being started will this really just be this momentary peak that's going to hit a huge valley mm -hmm. when all these uh, new policies end up taking place and we're no longer friendly with our allies, and we're trade war with Canada. That's, I mean, everyone in, with China, everyone is kind of splitting apart from the U.S. now because uh, the current administration is being so strident in these short-sighted policies that may not pay off in the long run. And so that's going to screw over uh, companies and the American public uh, all at once, right? Yeah. Well, because I go back to in, in the Bush years when we had a bubble and then there was just a huge recession when all the, all the uh, lending the banks were doing. This is the 08 thing? Yeah, we had to bail out the banks mm -hmm. and the airline industry. So should we have? Because I, I always no. wonder about right? No, That's what that I, was a huge mistake. Yeah. See, this is another issue that I have, is uh, especially with the way that the public engages with the political dialogue. And I, th I think that they fixate on the presidency and I think that they judge the presidency exclusively on their charisma. So it's like you look at somebody like Obama and everybody thinks he's kind of the greatest president of all time. And I think he was pretty good, um, especially compared to some other <laughs> recent presidents. But like like you just said, oh, wait, bailing out the bank, not a good idea. You know, some of his foreign policy, all this other stuff. And then now Trump, it's like he's a hideous person and is to totally vacuous with charisma. But everyone then just says, like, Trump's the problem and everything else is fine. It's like, you guys, there's a much bigger picture here. I wish that the public would engage more deeply with the policies of each administration instead of just like, oh, he sings well or he's... He grabs pussies and like, I mean, you know what I mean? Well, people aren't looking at the greater arc of history. They're mm -hmm. seeing what their paycheck is this month mm -hmm. without seeing what's going to affect the future. Um, like with the EPA getting rid of all those regulations to get a boost in the economy, well, how is that going to affect our planet? 
going mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. because you know th- this administration is fighting so hard for coal is that going to help us move forward as an economy no it's not he's just trying to um he's pandering he's to trying to reward people interests. who voted for him right know? okay okay and that always mystifies me too it's like if you're such if you're so rich <laughs> Uh, in terms of like a corporation that's invested in oil, in oil and coal and things like that, why can't you just lead? Why can't you just lead the charge in alternative energy? You've got all that money. Why don't you put it over there? <laughs> like well, so that's why we need more people like uh, like Elon Musk mm-hmm. having influence in the government. People who can see into the future, you know, mm-hmm. what future trends are. Who are building the future themselves? Yes. Yeah. So I, I just I wish I knew more about specifically economics to be able to comment on this stuff. But I, I I'm fascinated by this 08 thing, and I want to understand it. I want to understand why Obama did it. I want to understand why, like who he's serving in that decision, and why they have that control over him, and what that means for the American people, and if that situation is getting worse, or you know, I'm just so I'm so mystified by all of that stuff. Well, what is jarring to me is that. We have a, there's a record now and then discrepancy between CEO pay and employee pay. Right. It's just the rich keep getting richer. Exactly. And do we have any way of changing that flow of history through our political expression, or is it just the way it's going to be? The fat cats getting fatter because they're the ones making policy. What about boycotts? I mean, that I think that is one way to change things. Mm-hmm. Will people stick to those? And how do we unify our Consumer habits. I mean, people are fighting now for the $15 minimum wage, but like, is that really going to help mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the long run? It could, right? Couldn't it? I think it's a very tiny victory compared to... For sure. But I guess I, I see it as just something where we want to give the lowest common denominator something to stand on. You know what I mean? Like if we want numbers, if we want a revolution and we want numbers, then we need everybody at the bottom to kind of have a place to stand and, and have a little bit of room to breathe to think about what's going on currently instead of from day to day just being, you know, trying to get that scrape together those last $5 to pay rent to where they cannot think for even a single solitary second about government and about politics to where they can kind of just go... Okay, I've got this month rent, and I've got maybe even next month rent. What's what's going on in the paper today? You know what I mean? Is that I don't know. That's how I see it. Well, I you know I think we've we've gotten um, kind of veered off specifically into economics, mm-hmm. uh, but with the political atmosphere in the country, do people feel like they are going to have enough influence on the leadership? Because I feel like. Now, with the Republicans and the Democrats, the extreme wings of both parties are in charge, and most Americans fall in the middle, but they're not getting the candidates that that address them. If a candidate is more middle of the road and has uh, policies that are are reasonable, they get chased out of the primaries very quickly. Mm-hmm. So we get these ideologues that are thinking that Obama's the best president ever or Trump's the best president ever when there's more in the middle that we need to be working on right 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 but i I think that to me that's one of the tensions and that's i mean originally when like we were talking about this is sort of a topic to me i was thinking my thought about why i was saying well things aren't the worst that they've ever been is because i think 
to me, it's very useful to keep like objectivity about the political process as opposed to just being very reactive to what, you know, what happened today or what happened this week or what's in the news mm-hmm. or Put it what are people context. angry about at Twitter right now? Like we still have a functioning political system. It may not produce the results you want. Right. And you may say like, I mean, I look at this as an attorney and, and look at it and say, well, OK, executive power, he's, you know, like the executive branch is playing very aggressively with its power and you know testing the ability to roll back regulations and using executive orders and uh you know those kinds of things in other words i look at sort of the the political system as like i look at it structurally and i and as much as there's bad things going on i have to like the question i'm oftentimes asking myself is has the structure of our government fundamentally changed if it hasn't if it has, then maybe you need more radical solutions. But if it hasn't, then you're still sort of operating within, you know, mm-hmm. normal political competition. But how do, how do you guys feel about the Electoral College? Some people think that is a problem right now is, is, as far as determining who the president is, that it's an outdated system, um, and that we should get rid of the Electoral College. Does it still have a function in today's politics? Uh, well, I mean, I think... It's weird because it's like I want to argue against that. I want to argue for getting rid of it as someone who lives on like a has always lived on the coast practically, mm-hmm. either on the east coast or the west coast. But but I do think like there is a value in regionalism, like in thinking about America as like a regional like that you have to consider regional needs. I think is is sort of important, and the idea that you compete in each sort of you know uh, you compete in these states. And, and also, I don't necessarily know, I mean, this is like a, going back to like a debate about the, even just about the election, right? Which is like what, I think one of the difficult things with just looking at the election is why, why did she lose? I mean, that, that that's a debate that like, mm-hmm. I, I still sometimes have well, on the weekends. Well, the electoral college is the answer. To well, it, right? I, I personally, I, I don't like it because the electoral college, because living in California, we don't get to see any of the, of the fun, crazy presidential campaign ads that other countries, other states see, because everyone just knows it's going to go to the Democrats. So we don't see how they're pandering in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Florida and Ohio. It's like five states are the only important states where people have to fight it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're just default going to one candidate. Yeah. And the the irony is that in this instance, didn't the Electoral College sort of serve the exact opposite purpose of its intended function when it came about? Right? Wasn't it supposed to prevent demagogues from rising? And in this case, it defaulted to the demagogue. Yeah. And, and um, well, a lot of systems that are put in place when the country was founded seem out of date, too, because it was a much smaller country land wise and population wise. And now we have 50 states with, you know, it's so we got to update it. It's 200 years old. How can we still think it's going to work? Right. So, and I have looked a little bit at this and like the restructuring the primaries or like just making it a completely open thing where it's, you know, uh, I, I don't even remember the terminology, but just restructuring the way the primaries work and stuff like that. What has to happen uh, in terms of legislation to get that going? How do we get that to happen? Are you talking about like the the how in California we had a junk what they call a jungle primary where any where the two top candidates? 
I don't re- even understand what I read, but I just read somebody proposing that we get rid of it. Like, just it's an open primary. It's not you only. You're a registered Democrat. You vote in the Democratic primary. You're this that. It's just sort of everybody together, and you. Uh, uh, I don't even remember. <laughs> so you think, but that would be the danger. We'd we'd have two Republicans running for president or two Democrats. That kind of right. Primary. Oh, so like if the two Republican candidates were the two that won. won that oh primary. wait, we're talking about two different things. We're, we're yeah. talking. You're talking about where they're in the open primary. You can vote no matter what party you're in for something like that. Yeah. But then the, just restructuring it so that it's not so rigidly the two party system. Well, because but some states that have that, the danger is that. For example, the Democrats would all band together to vote for the least viable Republican to like sabotage their primary and vice versa. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that we should, we should. I don't think it's very viable to do that. I think we should have a third party that actually yeah. exists in this country. And there have been so many failed attempts. Like, have you guys ever <laughs> been attracted to a third party candidate? I mean, I voted for Jill Stein. You did. You did. I mean, I knew it was a throwaway vote. (laughs) I just couldn't bring myself to vote for the two primary candidates. Uh I mean, I was just very opposed to both of them. And I knew that I knew where my state was going. I knew it didn't matter. It was just sort of a totemistic thing. I just thought if I could, I knew it was a lost cause. Just the larger Jill's numbers were, the more encouraging it would be to a future third party attempt. So that's why I went that way. I, I don't, I mean... People want to redo the. I, yeah, I mean, people want to do redo and revise the electoral college. If you, I mean, in terms of how one would go about doing that, you need a constitutional amendment. So you'd have to go through the entire process of like, uh, what is it? Like each state has to ratify right uh, the amendment, and then and two thirds have to. Yeah, that's I mean, a so, huge uphill yeah. battle, right? Uh, I mean, it's been it's been done. I mean, if. Like it's weird. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm to some degree. I maybe I'm like a status quo person. So mm-hmm. I I don't necessarily think it's it's uh, likely. But at the same time, we've had constitutional amendments in like a bunch in the last hundred yeah. years. I mean, we you know we we changed uh, uh, you know how how many terms a president can serve. We women having the right to vote, alcohol. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Like we had a. I mean, so so in, I mean the most recent constitutional am- amendment I think attempted failed was the equal rights amendment mm-hmm. uh which would you know give which would affect like economic rights of women as and then legal rights and that failed uh because of phyllis schlafly but mm-hmm. that's like a whole other thing um, yeah, it is good to put things into perspective that way just looking at the past century yeah. and just the, the magnitude of things that have happened in the past yeah. and what we can do now but it's interesting it seems like an uphill battle either way whether you try to uh, amend the constitution and you try to make this large structural change from within the way that the government works or you just get somebody who's so polarizing a figure that a third party effort actually finally works for the first time which is harder which is harder to unify the people around because if the people demand something hard enough like civil yeah. rights you, you you get it and so that could be applied to amending the you know putting an amendment in there uh, but that kind, that magnitude of an effort could yeah. also just produce a third party that is finally a viable candidate, you know. Uh, because you don't, yeah. Oh, because you don't need to compete in each of the. Yeah, because yeah. it, it takes a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. You to wouldn't have to change anything about the government in you every just state. Have a third party that people yeah. finally vote for. You know? that, that's it's, that's actually like to me that's like the most persuasive argument I've heard for getting rid of the electoral college. That it would it would like uh, it would. It would reduce the power that state political state, like, mm-hmm. you know, federal, like, mm-hmm. like in other words, Democrats at a state level 
and Democrats at a, at a national level, it would it would get rid of it would erode a lot of their power because you don't need like a street team in every right. state to, to and like also make it would prevent like if a third party won the popular vote, it would there would there could no longer be an electoral college to just sort of veto their victory and say, well, no, we're going with yeah. somebody else, you know, yeah. which could I mean, certainly happen, right? Uh, the electoral, I mean, I don't think a lot of, I don't necessarily see like the actual electors doing some kind of rebellion. If mm-hmm. that's like, in other words, if a third party person was to how, how often do, does the electoral college go against the popular vote? I don't think that that's, Oh, 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 you mean like per state? Is it di- oh, how often is it different? Is that your question? Like, uh, like, the, like whoever won the vote in that state, how yeah. often does the electoral college put their votes to oh, not yeah. that candidate? Because they're allowed to vote. To they change, can do to change their mind. Yeah, yeah. and but, I don't know the statistics. How often do they? I think that's not, very rare. Very I don't rare, think that. Right? I mean, I think the last time that happened was after was like that entire post Reconstruction thing that was pretty messed <laughs> up. A while ago, yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, that's like that's like over a hundred years ago. Yeah. So, so that kind of thing it does happen going back to like i think this is interesting because i have spent like since the election um in 2016 like i've always there have been like a lot of uh debates about like here's how we move forward here's how we move forward and i think i've been one of those like old sort of that old man like on the porch being like this is the like everyone you know is sort of like this is the right way to do it this Mm -hmm. is the right way to do it whereas i think i'm now maybe this is just a product of um i don't know like neurotropics or something but 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 like i'm i'm thinking more about what are there are actually many different avenues to move forward like there are many different solutions it's almost like i don't i think in the past what i've wanted to do and what i found myself doing is debating with people about like whether the electoral college is the right way to fix this or or working more in 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 particular political parties to do it and now i'm realizing it's like well no it's just it it's democracy is is sort of experimental so i think actually one of the the best things we could do right now is even just you know in terms of your interest is discuss what are the different ways to fix the political system mm-hmm. and like you know i mean they, they can all coexist right that they aren't really it's not like they're competing yeah, against one it's another not one or the and, other. It, yeah. and i'm realizing it's like even as much as i don't i don't necessarily know if, if uh getting rid of the electoral college is viable i i also don't want to be that person who is poo-pooing it because i'm sort of like go do it you know mm-hmm. what i mean like if you like I, I in other words like there should be a bunch of different approaches i think one is mm-hmm. getting rid of the electoral college and certainly something people talk a lot about um, I think another thing is, I guess, third parties. I do have these questions about, like, how do you actually work with the parties that we have now? Um, because one of the things that I find very sort of ironic, just to talk about, like, the parties we have now, is on one hand, um, people are doing worse economically than they have. And, I'm, I mean, I'm not even going to debate that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's that you can look at, like, trends yeah, that's of, of like the wealth distribution undeniable. it was sort of was at its best in america in like the 70s since basically gone mm-hmm. worse and and your point to be taken which is that the economy is getting better uh and so there's a larger tax base but on the other hand it seems to be decoupled like from yeah. from actual like control companies that are big enough don't pay taxes so it's yeah, like yeah. you know i don't they're earning they can, more money and not and not contributing to yeah. society so so the, what's weird though and i mean i'm curious your thoughts about this as well is on one hand if you think i mean the fact that there's this wealth inequality is a really bad thing but on the other hand 
it should actually be like a giant a gigantic political opportunity right like like problems should be opportunities in politics and yet mm-hmm. we're in this weird situation where we've got this massive problem but no one is able to capitalize on it. or in fact i would argue like trump did capitalize on it right, right? like absolutely. he actually he actually did you know in a lot of ways he was actually like i mean i'm not saying like i'm from a pro trump standpoint but it is interesting that like democrats and Democrats still like haven't been able to capitalize on it. I'm I'm one of those people where I think, and as much as even some to some degree I'm a fan of them, but like you know you look at Kamala Harris or you look at Cory Booker who are sort of like leading lights in the Democratic Party. There's no, they're very like tied to big companies. Right? Yeah. They're very like they you know they they they're tied to Facebook. They're they're very in yeah. you know, Silicon Valley. And and my point is I'm it's like I don't think that. Silicon Valley Democrats necessarily are going to chart the way forward either. So that's why I'm so disillusioned, you know, that like just the realization some years ago, I'm like, Oh, I thought Democrat Republican was good guy, bad guy. I mean, like a child would, you know, but then when you grow up a little and you realize that neither of them are on your side, you just, you get really disenfranchised with the whole thing, you know? Well, everybody's bought and sold uh, at that level. And speaking of money in politics, do you think, that because you need so much money to run a campaign and win a campaign, that skews the whole system and that we should have um, just a, a flat amount of money that a presidential candidate can get like as a stipend from the mm-hmm, government mm-hmm. and then they can't raise a bunch of money from corporations. Yeah, and I absolutely agree. So how do we get that done? I mean, good luck, right? How are how are we going to get the government plans. to vote against its capacity to get get money? That's the whole reason politicians are politicians, right? I, to get all the kickbacks. And- I mean, to some extent, yes, but to some extent, see, oh, this is see, this is like interesting because we talked about like a constitutional amendment to get rid of the electoral college. You could have a constitutional amendment to change how elections work because what's one of the issues right now is uh, if you ever try to regulate like there was, you know, there was like McCain-Feingold, right? Like those are two individuals who both actually believed in campaign finance and both. I mean, especially McCain had had a long tenure in the Senate and then Feingold sort of did. And then he you know, and then he lost his election. Um, but he's still like around politics. I actually think a lot of um I think a lot of politicians probably hate having to do all of the campaigning. I remember reading an article mm-hmm. even like 10 years ago, and it was all about um, a politician who basically, he, he was saying, I spend 50% of my time fundraising. Mm-hmm. So that means like, even if I'm, literally, even if I'm on the Hill, like I spend, like out of an eight hour day, I spend four of my hours just on the phone fundraising. Like, I can't imagine that they, some of them may feast on a system like that, but I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of them don't. In other words, like just as there's like wealth inequality or there's sort of this unequal distribution of power like across America, there's and also an unequal distribution across Congress. Like, right, right, right. So, but aren't we seeing a paradigm shift with the rise of somebody like Bernie and seeing that it can be done if you really do speak to people's ideals and what they want and the change they want to see? Because what Bernie was able to do with so little money should foreshadow what other candidates can also do if they are, you know, if they're that convincing of a candidate, if they really represent what we all seem to want. And if we, you know, I loved Bernie because I agreed with everything he said and I believed him. I believed he meant it and I believed he would try to do it to his best ability. 
and it was devastating in you know the primary democratic primary and uh can't other candidates do that it can't isn't that possible isn't it possible that a future candidate that we all believe in will will not need so much money right we'll just be able to get there <laughs> you know we've got twitter we've got we've got other ways for publicity to happen right i think that does um help a lot than having the social media now as far as people getting a bunch of small donors um, activated, which mm. I think Bernie was able to do. So that might be some reason to be a little optimistic about fringe candidates mm-hmm. having their voice heard. Um, so are, were you one of those Jill Stein voters who was also as angry that the, the Democrat Party didn't give Bernie a fair shot? Yes, I was furious. I was furious. And then when I heard about the Donna Brazil stuff, I was <laughs> even more furious. Uh, and yeah. I just, I was like, look, DNC, you, you did this. You did this. You specifically are responsible for the Trump presidency. Uh, I may or may not be correct in that statement. I, 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 from where I'm standing, the information I have, I, I, I see that as true. And, uh, you know, I just, I just can't believe how stubbornly they pushed Hillary as a candidate, and uh, yeah, I just think that they did it to themselves. Well, it, it was it was a perfect storm to have her lose um, because of the way that she handled her campaign, the way her party handled her campaign. Um, and on the Republican side, it, Trump seemed like a total joke when he first was running, but. Mm-hmm. I think the Republicans uh, made the atmosphere for him to, to rise because there were 17 Republican candidates. And so how can one stand out by being the loudest and the meanest, which is how he stood out. But if there had only been, if only just been him against two or three charismatic primary contenders, then he might have lost. But they also nurtured it, not just in the, in, in this election, but in over the decades by becoming the party that is pro-life and anti-gay and uh, blah 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 and all this other stuff and anti-muslim and anti you know ever fuck everyone except america just like those kinds of ideals slowly over 20 30 years a certain sector of the american public just kind of believed that and identified with that and that grew over time and then you have a guy like trump who's just like a cartoon of like all of those ideas became a human and <laughs> you know yeah, he did, he, his market, he did his market research. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's, that's like another way to. It's funny because I mean, you even wonder how much he believes any of that stuff, but he but he knows yeah. it pushes the buttons, and and it's true. Like all of those buttons were installed. You're right. I mean, they were installed mm-hmm. over the. I mean, like you can go yeah. back like Lee Atwater since Reagan yeah. or before. Yeah, or even, yeah, you know, basically, yeah. and installing that stuff. Um, but this is like an interesting. I don't. I, yeah. I just I just think about like what is the because there is there's got to be some solution for the economic inequality and like your and social media and things like that should make that more possible. It's weird because it makes that more possible, but it also makes like hate and like the like hate groups organizing yeah. more pop more possible. Um, I don't know. I mean, I am to me if you talk about like social media specifically one of the things that i am even it's funny because i actually deleted all of my social media oh, okay. yeah <laughs> i come close to it sometimes um, i was just like well why do i need to? why do i need yeah. like i can read a book about like history i don't need to read like my snapshot today mm-hmm. but um but like uh, you know shout out to books uh but <laughs> <laughs> but, but i think uh one of the things is our the one of the things that does give me optimism, and I don't know, maybe it's naive of me, but that we're going through like an adjustment period. Like we have a new way to fundraise. We have new ways to connect with people. 
and we're really like figuring it out and then we're figuring all that out and then on top of it like other countries have figured out that they can also manipulate our politics through social media Mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's all bad like i almost analogize it to the way that like in, I even say that as someone who usually hates the way people, even on the left and the right, are like angry about stuff because they're all like tweaked up on like Twitter. <laughs> they're hopped. They're all hopped up on Twitter. Yeah. But like, but but it is. Um, we we're going through this period where we need to just figure out how we can use these technologies to reflect our values and have political debates. Um, you know, one of the analogies that I think is really interesting is comparing social media to uh, the printing press mm-hmm. and the idea that like the printing press allowed people to publish all these pamphlets yeah. and say things that in some cases weren't true. Like right. you'd say outright <laughs> lies like in Germany or, you know, what was Germany at that time? Like right. a bunch of principalities. Yeah. And like it, it actually created all this war because you could, you literally could distribute a message and people would read propaganda. it and they would be yeah. like, Oh, it's true because it's, <laughs> it's written, you know, like we yeah. went through that with Wikipedia. Like I rem- so with the, with the democratization yeah. of communication and opinion, all these yeah. things, we just have such a bigger, like a, a tremendous responsibility to remain educated and informed. But with with the media being as it is, it's so it's exponentially more difficult to be informed because you're having to pass judgment on what you're seeing. You know, it's 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 a mess. <laughs> and and on top of it, like extreme viewpoints will get the the outliers are going to are going online like the people who mm-hmm. get like the angriest people the most vitriolic people are getting the retweets mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so obviously like their stuff is and then we don't even freaking know like what twitter's algorithm is like how they on their end are right. are like uh, uh, you know adjusting what we see right yeah and we, and we found out this past year about how uh russian hackers were spamming facebook with all these fake groups to create division in our uh, political discourse, and it, it's working, but they would have you know fake Black Lives Matter rallies posted in rural white counties to get them all worked up about oh, it. Oh wow! Um, Interesting. And uh, so people are now talking about abandoning Facebook because they're so compromised um, by Russians to like start another social media platform but there are other reasons to hate facebook yeah too, right yeah aren't there well zuckerberg is not, he's not a very likable i watched his testimony on congress and yeah he's a very unlikable person <laughs> just, there's just, so many screenshots yeah. of his facial expressions during that we're just like are you a human person what yeah. who looks like that <laughs> oh man but um looking forward uh, as far as politics go how do you guys feel about the uh thought that Trump will win again in 2020. So people say it's inevitable now that he's going to get another term. I would imagine it's nearly impossible. Well, okay, not impossible. I would imagine it's unlikely just because of so many people. I mean, that's the only thing where it works in the, in the favor of uh, people who only react to the face value charisma of a candidate. People are just so offended. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who specifically adore him, but there's so many people who are kind of in the middle that are just so offended uh, by him as a personality that they're going to be more active and make sure it doesn't happen. But I, I mean, I guess who knows? I was saying this in 2016 <laughs> that it was absolutely impossible that he would win. So I don't know. My thought on it is pretty complicated. I mean, I would say the first thing is it really just depends on where the economy goes. Uh, the economy is, I mean, like, and I know it doesn't necessarily affect wages, but, you know, I think 
the economy, even if corporations are growing and people's wages aren't growing, I think that will trigger optimism in certain people. Because it'll be like, oh, our lives can get better. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Give him another force. And, and, and his own... And, yeah. <laughs> but he was the guy that was like, in 30 days, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this on the first day, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, there has to be a significant percentage of Trump voters that have become disenfranchised with, you know what I mean? That it's, re- realize how much he is smoking. There's mirrors. still, there's still passionate about him. I, I saw, there's definitely some, I mean, uh, for sure that, that way. I but. saw an argument on Facebook today where someone insulted Trump and then all his defenders came out and they're still so passionate. There's some of them even more passionate about him. The more you attack them, the more, the more they defend mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're so passionate that they're going to show up at the polls and who is the Democrat party going to put out there that's going to inspire that kind of passion because they're saying the, mm-hmm. they're saying the leading candidates not right now are hillary again or joe biden is that going to fire up See, this opposition is, this is insane to me <laughs> this is insane to me you're running more of the same what are you guys doing like dnc has to get yeah. their shit together. i well i think uh I mean, I, I'm a big believer. So, do you know the median voter theorem? Mm. Right. It's it's like it's the, the idea that like we're on a continuum of voters, right? Like, so you've got like the most left and the most right voters, and most of the time, political candidates are sort of trying to play to like the median voter because the idea is like you don't. In other words, like I I don't think about the diehards too much. Like the people who are like the hardcore super Trump defenders, I. I don't really worry about them because I think that they'll always be that there. It's almost like they're a block. The question is like, how do you get people in the middle? And then how do you also get turnout? And I think there are, there are legitimately people in the middle who I think today would even still say, well, at least it's not Hillary. Mm -hmm. Like, and that the question is like, how do you get those people? Mm -hmm. Um, I, with a candidate that's better than Hillary (laughs) with a candidate. Okay. With a candidate that's better than Hillary. Uh, but I, I I do think that there is a good likelihood that he will get reelected because I just I, it's going to be a function of like I said whether the economy is better and now I've, I've, there are people who are like forecasting for not even reasons related to politics but like cyclically there will be a downturn in 2019 I mean you know like uh, if you get like one of these newsletters from like like in, you know investors like get these newsletters mm-hmm, from market mm-hmm. researchers yeah just um, strictly economic prediction yeah that yeah. like that there'll be a downturn in 2019 if that happens then that will significantly hurt trump's chances but it's interesting because even if he loses because of that it won't be because of something he did as a as a candidate or as president it'll actually be something that's actually out of his control mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. i don't also yeah it, it's hard to see who's who's emerging on the other side uh, who's emerging and then and then yeah. and then I think there are these tricky questions for even Democrats like you know they say that the Democrat Democrats may take back Congress I mean, just because of like a you know the midterm swing generally goes against the president and on top of it there's a lot of bad things he's done and Democrats are mm-hmm. mobilized at like at the you know at sort of at the representative level it still doesn't encourage me though like I mean Democrats taking taking it back I guess is like one small point better but I, I you know I'm just so disconnected from the whole two-party system that i just i don't even see that as a huge victory what what good will come of well, that did you did you see um well i mean you, like uh, i forget what her name is but there was like a, a bernie organizer mm-hmm. oh uh, yeah the new uh yeah what's her, she, you know, she like her name? beat the new uh she just won 
I don't. What is know. a primary? I forget what her she name. Won, is. What is she now in in the house or what? Oh no 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 no. She's, what she she just won the primary. Okay. Over the guy who's like a lieutenant. Yeah. Oh, you mean you mean in New York? In New York, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm blanking on her name. I can see her face. Right. I can see her face, and I know she's of Describe Latin it. descent. Right. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'm sure everybody knows who we're talking about. Rodriguez, yeah, something exactly. like that. So I don't know anything about her politics. That's a good win, right? That's a that's a that's a that's a victory, right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. well, especially if you're if you're a Bernie supporter. I mean, if you're a Bernie supporter, like, right. no, I think that that's a big win. So is is our is our safest path of recourse just to get slowly over the next forty years <laughs> every senator and representative overturned by these more progressive candidates. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think her victory is important because the, the establishment Democrat that she beat was the heir apparent to Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, I don't think. that's a big deal. And I think we need to go in a different direction than mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi as far mm-hmm. as a face of the Democrats. So if that was her handpicked successor, then it's best for the party that they get someone with new ideas mm-hmm. and a fresher face. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I think... To me, that is sort of an interesting way forward. I, I do think that our biggest problem, our biggest problem is definitely like economic inequality and wealth distribution. But I also think that it is an opportunity. It's just we we haven't found a candidate who can who has proposed like solutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess like and even this is a tricky thing. Even with Bernie, it's sort of like people had these had this debate about well, well, he wants to get these things done. Can he get them done? Will will he be able to yeah. work with Congress to get them done? And also, if he doesn't consider himself a Democrat, if he's always considering himself mm-hmm. like sort of uh, outside the system, how much can he work with with like you know yeah. traditional party Democrats if he always is sort of exactly. ideological? And and so there's that trade off of like you need to be ideological enough that you have you're committed to your ideas, but also have these working relationships. But furthermore, and I may be a pessimist, but wouldn't any candidate who could conceivably make all these drastic economic changes just be assassinated immediately, <laughs> like day one? Well, if if we're going to you know? go into that dark direction, oh, by the way, the woman who won the New York primary is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Right, yes. I want to get her name right. Um, yeah. Exciting, although I don't fully know why. <laughs> I, don't I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is that it's it it's is a, a challenge to to the traditional democratic yes. power structure yeah. in the same way that like uh, what was it like Eric Cantor on the on the Republican side? Yeah, like got got he lost his primary mm-hmm. uh, to like uh, someone who was like a Tea Party Republican, and that really. Yeah. Um, scared a lot of like establishment republicans i think in some ways that's also why like you won't get establishment republicans denouncing trump mm-hmm. because they're afraid of like the challenge to the right mm-hmm. from them i mean the only people who are really talking shit to trump right now are like guys who are not running for re-election right yeah um, the, the ones that stand up against him are there's like four or five republicans republicans that speak out against him and they're all we're they're all retiring. They're all leaving politics. Uh, so, but I mean, but on the flip side, I mean, for the Democrats, what that could mean is that we get more like robust debate mm-hmm. about about what this party should look like and, and what its values are. Mm-hmm. I think like that's super important, even as someone who is a Democrat and probably more of a Democrat than like a like a, a Bernie or Jill Stein person. Like, I think we need to have like I don't necessarily know the solutions to the economic inequality problems that we have. Like, mm-hmm. we we could have more higher taxes and more government services. Uh, but then uh, they do have yeah, questions ta- about the inefficiency of that and, and yeah. whether that Who's would gonna work. Who's going to pay them? I mean, we need we need stricter tax laws to get them to pay the taxes. And then and we they're also, just going to avoid yeah. it because they have all their money and they're going to just pay people yeah. off and then they still don't have to pay taxes. And 
is just vicious. So, so the thing is, but I, you know, so I don't know what the solutions are to yeah. those things, but I do believe that if we can have like robust debates, like mm-hmm. then those solutions will emerge. Mm-hmm. But um, when we're looking at what's happening on the ground with people uh, taken to the streets, there've actually been a, um, a lot of rumors about violence and uprisings. Um, do you guys know that there was supposed to be uh, America's second civil war starting on July 4th? Did you guys survive that? <laughs> it was what? talked a lot on social media. It's probably why some of you missed it. Yeah, dude. And but, rising, the South will rise again? Was that the intention? But yeah, <laughs> but, but people think that there's going to be violence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because of how angry people are on both sides of the political spectrum. Um, is that just too being too pessimistic? Do you think our Americans are just... Um, too level-headed to ever get to that point again where people are i mean there was right. there was charlottesville which is a low point yeah um and you see a lot of footage of these rallies where people are screaming at each other and um there's been some rock throwing but do is there any uh credence to the fear that violence might erupt because of the political environment where we're in now uh, I would, <laughs> the, the 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 dark sense of humor in me is like no just just shootings just shootings <laughs> just shooting no just school shootings i mean well I I, know. Yeah. but but um no i don't i don't think that there's i mean it, not a civil war i mean to have a civil war it's too you, organized it's no it's too organized <laughs> it's like too much you, work. Need, you need i mean right like the civil war was possible because people with serious power were about to economic were, were gonna with serious economic and political power were about to lose a lot of economic power because a lot of people were about to be freed right yeah. like yeah. like that's not the situation now even even like even the the wealthiest like i mean like who who bankrolls like the Republicans, for example, it's like, you know, you have like Sheldon Adelson. It's like he runs Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. how is mm-hmm. how is a civil war going to help him? Right. Like if you look at if you I'm saying if you look at the most powerful people in the conservative movement, it's hard to see, like, what are they going to do? Create their own state? I mean, I guess they could try to, like, overthrow the government. But that's uh, well, or I mean, to be honest, and I'm going to uh, put on my tinfoil hat while I make the statement, I'm not worried about civil unrest. I'm worried about the government imposing martial law and censorship and uh, descending into something resembling an authoritarian state. I mean, I I know that that's a little bit much, and I don't genuinely believe it's going to happen, but I think we'd be naive to completely dismiss it as a possibility well there there is some logic behind your statement in that um our president uh praises dictators constantly and, mm-hmm. and he seemed excited by the idea that the chinese president is now president for life he said he wants to do the same thing ha ha he's joking mm-hmm. but <laughs> there is um, a strain of thought out there that trump will find a way to extend his term as much as he wants mm-hmm. The ode. With, that would be with, with with false, you know, false wars, false enemies. But I don't even necessarily put Trump at the head of all this. What I'm yeah, saying, it's I, Mike Pence. I think, he, yeah, it's Pence. No, it's Pence is going to turn us into the freaking Handmaid's <laughs> yeah, Tale. I swear to God. That's where we're going. But I think Trump would be the ideal per the ideal face of such a movement because I think Trump would be the best person to convince Middle America to accept martial law. But I don't think he'd be. At the head of this, I think it'd be, again, tinfoil hat is shimmering in the sun. You know, other deeper, darker members of the well, state. I don't know who they would be, but uh, I think yeah. um, you are. We, I, I, there was like some poll that said that like 
the amount of they they one of the questions they ask Americans like in polling I guess regularly is uh, how much would you how comfortable would you be with military rule and apparently that number has been going up <laughs> yeah so it's like I think it's Dude, up to like eighteen percent right now so it's like terrifying. so so the idea that you could you could like that one in five people in America may be like yeah we want a general to rule us I like, want tanks in my that town, is you know and you know and the idea that like that the military is and you're right as we get in more wars that this is a possibility actually i think the you know one of the things i thought you were going to bring up Mm -hmm. and this to me is objectively like you know as i said i really pay attention to sort of what what the structure of government is Mm -hmm. one of the things that is actually super troubling is the degree to which um uh government agencies seem to be able to not be accountable to anybody either they're not accountable to anybody or or politicians are actually actively telling Americans to distrust these things. Right. Like, so for example, a great example is like with ICE and this entire like ch- parent-child separation thing. The idea that like uh, members, like elected officials of the federal government, cannot go into these facilities mm-hmm. and see what's going on. Yeah. Like, like the idea that like ICE is, and I'm not like an abolish ICE person, but but I but I do think it is. It, it was sort of crazy and brazen that like ice is like yeah we're not accountable to like anybody but like the executive and we're like sort of accountable to congress like that mentality is is insane like mm-hmm. that is to me a profound problem the mm-hmm. idea that like they, they sort of have their ideological belief and they don't even feel checked by government or at least they're like you have to go through all these steps to check us like if you want right. to enter one of our facilities like you know representative you know, blankety blank, you have to like make a formal request. You can't just like fly down here and see what the hell's going on in here. That's crazy. And mm-hmm. then on top of it, um, the the way that uh, a lot of Republicans are saying you can't trust the FBI. And it was interesting because before <laughs> the election, it, it was a lot of Democrats saying you can't trust the FBI, mm-hmm. right? But like the idea that like both sides are like, you can't trust the FBI. And it's, it's I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like that kind of thing does start to erode trust in government in like a pretty profound way that you're right. You won't, we may not see the results of that until 20 years from now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it's almost like you, we were talking about how like Trump is the product of maybe like Reagan era, you know, like racism, xenophobia, bigotry, like just keeps growing in these sort of dark crevices and in radio and now on the internet. I think similarly, if we keep sowing this distrust of government, and then in some cases allowing government agencies to just sort of do what the hell they want. Like that does create a case for destroying the system. Well, distrust in government is, is, is valid, right? I mean, uh, I don't think it's just a a ploy, but, but, but but I guess the credibility, like, you know, even just attacking like the credibility and Mm -hmm. politicizing all these agencies that are supposed to be neutral that, Mm -hmm. that actually have a lot of like law and order functions in our society. Right. Well, speaking of questioning credibility, and things that are going to have reverberations um, for decades to come, uh, do you guys think that, because I feel that Trump has changed America in at least one way that could be permanent, which is his popularization of the term fake news, because now Mm -hmm. whatever you don't want to believe, you just scream fake news, and as far as you're concerned, the argument is over. Are we ever going to get past the era of fake news that's been started the past couple of years? I think I personally, I mean, again, bringing it back to like the idea of like the printing press or Wikipedia is like a great example where like 
initially Wikipedia, I thought like Wikipedia was amazing at the beginning. And then I remember there were like assholes I knew who were like, oh, I can just like put all this fake stuff on there. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah. like, and people just like trashed it and vandalized it. Yeah. But like with enough time, it's like very reliable. it's very reliable it's among the most reliable. It's, yeah. Sources, in yeah. fact, it's like, it's like, you know, the amount of like peer review right. and things like that, which but, just shows but, you that the numbers win. But, but I think it did go through Wikipedia went through a period where there was all sorts of mm -hmm. fake crap up mm -hmm. there. And I think, at a certain point, the community started regulating itself, or they, I think they probably tweaked permissions. So, I mean, admittedly, some of the things that Wikipedia did, the media necessarily can't, like, there's no way to control, like, some setting of who gets to create news sources. But I think, uh, but I think media literacy will increase. I think that at a certain point, a, a so. phrase it like fake to. news is going to get played out, and people yeah. are going to go, you, you, that, that's not, thing? that's just stupid. I still find that I have to go to Snopes to, to, to double check the stories that I see. That's my most reliable source because mm -hmm. they debunk so many things that get out there and get spread around. But really the only, the only recourse is just hoping that we can inspire people and popularize the notion of self-education and just sort of like hope that, I mean, I think with the younger people, it might be a little more viable, but just try to cultivate a societal attitude of you know what i have to read a little bit i have to learn about this thing you know whether it's science or politics or anything like that just kind of inspire people to try to do that a little bit you know and i don't know if that's a greater uphill battle than changing government or not i mean i really don't know which one is harder to do well i i think we started going this is the slippery slope uh pessimist in me i think we started going down a dark road from the beginning uh when uh sean spicer was first giving his first press conference when he he said that we have a different set of facts mm -hmm. talking about the size of trump's inauguration crowd <laughs> and once he said this is we have a different set of facts or we can disagree on the facts he said something like that um that just started this <laughs> i think this dark path of where people who people can create their own reality and then you can't logically argue with somebody then we're on the road to madness Mm -hmm. I but I but I also think that in a lot of cases we don't really like one of the reasons I got off social media was my realization that like I don't need to argue with someone for the way I live my life right like I don't need to really like argue my values with someone like the way that my values win is that I live them yeah like, but, but if you want to influence others if you've taken it upon yourself to try to do your part to steer the course of uh, our, you know, our, our society or civilization in a greater context. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You continue to get to be who yeah. you want to be. But, you know, when you try to engage in these, this level of discourse, if, you know, if you see uh, a certain er aspect of, pu of uh, public attitude that you see as a block to where we should be as a country and you try to engage those people, yes, it's, you know, as you're saying, it's if they're just like, nope, this is this is a fact, and you're like, well, no, it's not though, and uh, where do you go from there? But I don't. But I again, I don't even think that's an issue. I mean, mm -hmm. I think it's it's like it's not about like winning debates with people. I right. think it's about like it's it's like, do I want to run for office? Yeah. Like you know, I mean, that's where sort of to me the rubber of like needing to persuade people really hits the road. Like I I get that there's a lot of people floating around there with bad information. Um, but I also don't necessarily know how much progress we're going to make by 
trying to make a campaign to persuade, shame, mm-hmm. cajole them. I, I don't no, necessarily know. Yeah, I to me, that, that makes society worse. Well, that's why I want to target younger people and inspire them to try to learn self-educate. Yeah. Because then in 10 years, this problem won't be as bad because there will be fewer older, dumber people and more younger, smarter people. And yeah. it'll, you know, the tide will begin to turn, hopefully. I mean, I th- yeah. I mean, I think one thing you have to think about is this is is, is an intergenerational thing mm-hmm. where, like, if I have a set of beliefs and I'm introduced to a new technology, then I'm going to gravitate towards the things that already, like, you know, there's the idea of, like, confirmation bias, right? What I believe is what I, when I go out into the world, it's actually, like, the facts and, and data that I pull out. So I think in a lot of cases, like if you if someone has these old school beliefs and then you give them new media, it's like, well, yeah, they're going to use it to just reflect their their old beliefs. I think there is something to be said, though, that like when you look at like something like Charlottesville, it's like it's a lot of guys who are like, you know, like 15 to 25. And that is like, oh, that's interesting because you actually do have like digital literacy. You 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 know, you did get educated in the last decade. It's alarming. But, you know, what's funny about that is I. I read uh, someone analyzing the rise of the alt right and talking to these people, and it's become trendy. It's like the new rebellious thing from the youth is to be super conservative because they think, oh, Democrats have always been in power. So instead of being like a hippie rebelling against Nixon, now it's cool to be. I'm into the alt right because I'm. You can't mm-hmm. tell me how to think. But what do they mean? Democrats have always been in power. What does that even mean? They're they're, they're they've had this propaganda from their parents that. You know, the liberal media influences everything mm-hmm, and the universities mm-hmm. are run by liberal professors. Mm-hmm. And so to rebel, you would embrace um, people like like um, Milo Yiannopoulos, yeah, whatever. whatever, yeah. whatever. Um, but I want to talk about one thing. Um, oh, it's like the new punk rock. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. That, yeah, that, that's about <laughs> I, I consider both unlistenable, so... <laughs> But um, speaking of something that has to do with with fake news and politics and the future of the country, I'm curious if you guys think the Mueller investigation, uh, when it does have its findings, if it's going to do anything to actually affect President Trump or whether he's just going to, even if they find all these evidence against what he did with the Russians, if he'll just say it's fake news and laugh it off and keep doing what he's doing or probably will change actually be affected by this Russia investigation. I think that the Republicans in both the House and the Senate have attacked that investigation enough that no matter what it produces, they already set it up of like we will, they're going to spin whatever comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and it's clear that they're not going to I mean, like, right. I mean, people even point out it's like, well, he's already violating the Constitution with like <laughs> having all these fucking hotels. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. like they're yeah. already he's promoting his businesses. Yeah. There are like already things that like violate the constitution so you're gonna tell me that yeah like, this that he hasn't been impeached yet yeah 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 it's bizarre it, isn't it uh, i mean well it's be, it's be, it's because like congress is republican controlled so it'll right. be interesting to see what is tricky to see is that people point out that even if it flips even if the democrats even if the democrats come to control the house they may alienate you know there's this there's this theory that they'll alienate voters if they seek to impeach trump Mm -hmm. and so they may actually even win in 2018 but go if we try to impeach him then we'll spend the next two years hearings and we'll get killed in in the 2020 instead just build the case that his presidency was a complete and utter failure and then just go for gold in 2020 go for gold yeah and and i don't 
I mean, I'm not close enough to it to mm-hmm. know what the right strategy yeah. is or whether that's, I mean, it could be that the Democrats are being sort of shrewd. Yeah. It could be that they're just being scaredy cats. But again. to me, it also relies heavily on who they choose to push in 2020, yeah. because yeah. if it's, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, I believe Hillary's gone forever. I don't think she's going to come out from whatever rock she got under, I but hope. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, wh- whether they, uh, I, I don't know if it's, I've heard, uh, uh, Harris, Kamal Harris is going to be the candidate or, Again, and I, I really thoughts. don't know too much about her politics. I heard she's kind of an opportunist, but I have no idea. I've, you know, I, I just I, don't know. She certainly, I don't think is someone who's going to affect the kind of like economic and she's not a Bernie. The, she, no, she's, she's not, uh, she's not yeah. that. But I, I think the only candidate who's uh, on the Democratic side who has said he's definitely going to run is Joe Biden. Is he too old to be running at this point? I don't care about age. I just don't think yeah. he's going to do anything. He's just another establishment politician, to my knowledge, which is not yeah. substantial. But, you know, I just don't see him like much in the way that I don't really think the Obama presidency was all that successful. I think the Affordable Care Act was fantastic. But other than that, I don't think he did really almost anything to to derail the course of uh, economic policy and foreign policy of the past 30 years. I, you know, I, I, I don't I don't even think that he could have. I, that's that's where the tinfoil hat comes out, because I just kind of feel like he didn't really have the power to, you know, and like maybe him as a person in his heart would love to have changed economic policy in certain ways and just he was powerless to do so whether that's true or not i don't know but we know that he didn't we know that he bailed out the banks we know that he you know didn't really do that much to set america on the right on the right course i don't think he did anything really overly i mean you know he didn't do anything as bad as reagan or something like that Mm. but or or clinton uh but you know and i may be (laughs) totally wrong but you know. Well, this is like an interesting question because I think uh, is it's funny that like we began uh, this podcast with sort of this question of like whether things have radically changed. Mm-hmm. And I think a question that's floating around amongst us is have things not changed radically enough? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, in other words, like there's a lot of discussion about how like Trump and the alt right and Tea Party have have like radically and fake news have radically changed politics. But we also seem we also seem to all agree that we're sitting on a lot of inequality, a lot of like systemic issues in America that right. haven't been solved, which is sort of a singular thread of change that has been really unfa- un- unaltered for the since Reagan. Yeah. More or so less. so the, the thing is, it's sort of like it, it also sounds like we're demanding that things change in pretty radical ways. Yeah, I think so. But the, the way that I want yeah, you want, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm yeah. more, I, I'm, I'm sort of more moderate. I've always been sort of a moderate person, but I definitely think some things are untenable and I don't necessarily know whether we're getting, whether we're like, I, and now I'm starting to think more on like a human race level. Like, are we getting Me the too. best out yes. of people? Like, right. are we, are we, we using absolutely are not. The Look, education is of, in the crapper. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, well, no and, and that is troubling that yeah. we're not, you know, I mean, if you talk about like trying to do things like combat, like to me, one of the biggest reasons I want to combat sexism or racism is so people can get opportunities and really reach their potential. Right. And certainly and the, the system the that we're in now, like uses people's potential and ability and intellectual capacity and like really poorly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, as a, uh, I'm a political independent. Um, so i Definitely want there to be a third party option. But what do you guys think about as far as changing the system? Uh, originally, the idea of Congress was that they would they would serve the American people for a couple of terms and then go back to their jobs. 
Yeah. Um, we had c- citizen politicians instead of uh, career politicians. Yes. Oh, what do you guys man. think about having term limits where we'd always have, because people argue, oh, we need someone in there who knows the system. That's why we have Diane Feinstein for 20 years, which I think is a mistake. I'm ready to move on from her or whoever. Yep. It's been there for 20 years. Um, doesn't work. They just get more and more and more corrupt and pad their pockets, right? Yeah. So, and, and so what do you guys think about having uh, changing the system where there's term where you can only do serve two terms? I love it. And then you're done. I love it. And get someone else new in there. I'm on board. I wonder whether you're still going to have like lobbyists. Like, I mean, you know, like, you whether, sure would, you'll still, but... have, you'll still have lobbyists. I mean, people will still be bought and sold, but they can only do so much damage in their mm-hmm. six years or 12 years. And then they're, then they're out no matter what. You think that's changing the system too much? Well, the thing is, to me, I look at that and I just go, I don't, I don't, I can't even predict how that could affect right. things. Like, I, I literally, I mean, you know, there's going to be so many effects from that. Like, it's hard to know. And I'm, I'm not against it, but I am like, I don't, I literally look at that and I go, oh, wow, that's like, that's like a black box. Right, but also, like, wh- why do we have uh, Supreme Court justices serve for life? Yeah. That was established when people lived half as long as they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, rich people still, rich people have all throughout history have always actually lived to their 70s. Like, yeah. it, it is actually crazy. Sure. That, like, yeah, the human lifetime hasn't changed too much, but it's just, oh, on average, you know, taking all the, the infant mortality and stuff. Yeah, the poor. The, the poor. No, no, I really, you know, it's, it's funny because like it just went on a trip and you realize uh-huh. like, no, no, even in like the 17th century, like, like wealthy people were still living to like to the seventies, sixties and seventies, right? Mm-hmm. Like even in Greece, like mm-hmm. how many you know, like all these guys were like they all had gray hair. You know, yeah, it's like, there were people in their eighties back then. So, right. so mm-hmm. I mean, but uh, but I think that, I mean obviously the reason we gave all those people, we gave Article Three judges like life appointments was the idea was that they wouldn't be affected by. Um, they they wouldn't have to worry about like they wouldn't be political in the sense that they're worrying about getting reelected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I and I see that that point. But when now when we have a new justice, the fear is that okay for the next two or two generations this person yeah. can change things. Yeah. Um, but what if the justice could only serve for fifteen years, still a long term? Mm-hmm. Yeah, would that still you still want them to have the lifetime appointments yeah i mean because 15 years is a good chunk of time i mean obviously i think about like who do i really admire i really admire like earl warren and when he got on the court he got on the court sort of older because he got on the court like in his what like 50s late 50s because he had already been like governor like he had already done all these other roles in government uh he was like a former governor of california and then you know and then went on to become you know like you know Brown versus the Board of Education and things like that. I mean, I just I feel so like yeah. some of these justices they kind of slide in during a certain period of history and then, but they don't really have the merit. Like, do we do we still need Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court? <laughs> he mm-hmm. kind of sl- barely slid in, and they, they say he speaks the less and like he's just yeah. Like, he doesn't usually ask questions. <laughs> I, I think that is that's like that is an interesting idea of like having short terms. Um, also, like the criteria we use to evaluate whether someone should be a Supreme Court justice has really changed. I feel like well, it's just it's at the whim of who's in office. Well, also, like we really choose people who have uh, who are ideological and have uh, great academic credentials. Whereas I think in the past, I mean, you know, we had people who came from different walks of life who, mm-hmm. who did different things. Like, I think that is it is interesting that like Sandra Day O'Connor is like one of the few to not to not die in, in right. Like to that she just retired, but yeah. she had worked in all these other branches. Of, you know, she had worked in all three branches of government before she became 
a justice. Mm-hmm. And so she sort of also saw like her, you know, right. She, she actually stepped down from the bench so she could advocate for elections for judges or wait, uh, for elections or for appointments. I forget which, but, <laughs> but basically like, yeah, she, no whether she saw herself as not like a special a legal specialist, she saw herself as just part of the broader political system. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Keep going. Well, I, I say dilute the power <laughs> in almost any context that is applicable well, and when, and when Justice Anthony Kennedy retired, um, it's it seemed just like okay, he's old and tired. But when you look into the deeper story, it does some uh, connections he has with Russian money, and that he may have done this as a favor to President Trump. Like I'll quit while you're in office, you can replace me, and then I won't get sent to jail. Because, oh, really? Yeah, huh? there, there's stories. There's, there's been reporting about that in the past week. Whoa! Uh, his son made a bunch made a bunch of money from Russian interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may have just been like a wink, wink. I'll retire for your sake, to the president mm-hmm. or to the president's people. Yeah, and then you can appoint whoever you want and uh, win, win, mm. right? Um, but that's going, you know, deeper into uh, the dark things the president's administration is doing. I feel like with the Mueller investigation. Um, some of Trump's people are going to go down, but not Trump himself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we may see Jared go down, Manafort go down, but he's not, but the Democrats dream that Mueller will show up with handcuffs and drag out President Trump. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. <laughs> it's just going to be a wet dream they have when they're Melania asleep. Melania comes out from her hiding place <laughs> and starts dancing. Yeah, Melania will turn on him. Like, yeah. Finally, I'm free. I think, I, I mean, personally, I think all that stuff between Melania and Trump is just flirtation. <laughs> I straight up, I straight up think it's it's like no, you don't think she's you still have a have a, has a, 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 an, a any feeling in her body for him. I don't know if anymore. she ever had any feeling no. in her well, the, body the, for the, him. The, yeah. the story was that they were going to divorce, be, but then he won, and now she's stuck. Right, that they're they're both kind of short. He was going to lose. He was just going to hang uh, it out for the campaign. Mm-hmm. And then he won. What like, was with that tweet with, that was help going down? Did you see that one? No. no. It was, uh, it was, she tweeted it. It was the first sentence started with H, the next started with E, oh, the next started with L, the next started with B. And it was each line. I mean, it was just H E L P. I think she thought she was being subtle. It wasn't. I mean, or, Schwarzenegger did that 10 years ago. I mean, <laughs> with a letter. He had a letter where it spelled out fuck you. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, I don't know if it was intentional or not. I mean, it seems like it must have been. And then the thing where she was wearing that stupid jacket, at the, yeah. it's like, what is she doing? I mean, I feel like she's just, she's lost. She's People say she knows what she's doing and she's sending signals on purpose, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and just we can't read cares. her mind. I mean, you know, yeah. she's just, she does nothing all day she, except sit there and think about how miserable she is. And <laughs> so she's just like, what can I do today? I'll make a tweet and <laughs> well, I'll say she, help in the tweet. Well, she entered the world of ridiculousness when, when she, she when, when she married him. But yeah. obviously, she wanted to be a trophy wife and yeah. have a nice, rich life. But also, when she her, made her campaign anti bullying <laughs> and she's sitting next to the, the premier bully in our society right now. Like, how can she let her husband tweet when he tweets it's if insane. she cares so much about bullying? I don't even know if she chose that. I, I, I think <laughs> it's, like I, a, it's like a joke. It's a cosmic yeah, joke. They're just like, these is, these people are so stupid that I yeah, can yeah. just say this and they'll be like, yeah, Melania's great and she's the best. <laughs> she cares about the children. Yeah. But uh, going back to the, the Supreme Court, yeah, no, I think that is, in the Supreme Court, like, when you talk about, like, um, 
the Supreme Court's incredibly important, both for economic reasons. I mean, you know, we, we sort of have dipped into talking about, like, the way corporations affect politics and the way that money affects politics. And the Supreme Court has a big influence, mm-hmm. an outsized influence on both of those things because this is, the Supreme Court makes rulings about, right? I mean, essentially, they got rid of McCain-Feingold because on arguments of, like, First Amendment. And, and in fact, uh, on, you know, arguments that, like, money is speech and, and so you can't... Corporations are people. And you can't, you can't right. regulate it in this way. In a similar way, the way that, like, corporations have been able to... Uh, like corporations, uh, so one of the big things is um, I'm sure you've heard about like the Federalist Society. That's one of the things that, that they talk about the fact that like the Federalist Society essentially is like the feeder for a lot of uh, Republican judges, and the Federalist Society has built a, certain ideas into their into their belief system, um, like the idea that like corporations have speech rights, and not simply when it just comes to campaign donations, but they have expansive speech rights, uh, you know, just vis-a-vis the government. Like, the you know, arguments that basically, like, the government can't compel, for example, like, there, you know, this, this, this like, a, it's sort of a lesser-known case, but it was amazing. It was a case where uh, the government wanted, uh, like, a, a health insurance company to release its uh, cost charts, to, re- you know, mm-hmm. release essentially its schedule for, like, what they pay for certain things. Uh, and this... Uh, insurance company challenged it basically saying the government is requiring us to is compelling us to speak so they made basically a first amendment (laughs) argument to keep something to keep like business information private like out out of the eyes of like government regulation Mm -hmm. and like the idea that that's this idea of corporate speech isn't simply just about campaign finance uh it's it's just about like companies just having privacy rights and all of a sudden they, they they can't be supervised Mm -hmm. they can't be really like regulated or investigated and that's like that's sort of a big that's like a federalist society idea that's been growing and they can use the narrative of too much government big government's too big government stay out of my pocket stay out of my blah 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 and people kind of eat it up and and rally to that cry a little bit whereas it's not just i mean the problem is that the corporatocracy has blown out of control and the government does not regulate it so we if anything, need more government or at least better government. You know what I mean? I don't know, but we need the right changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a goddamn mess, man. I don't know what to let, do. Let, well, let, let's briefly talk about um, winning and losing short coming up soon. Uh, ask both you guys: Do the Democrats take back the House in the midterms? Uh, probably. I I mean I haven't been paying super close attention to it, but it seems like. That, I mean, yeah, seems like I, I don't I don't know how many seats is it even that they have to take. Well, there there some predictions say the Democrats could gain four or five seats, uh, and some are saying the their Republicans will gain two seats and nothing will change. Mm-hmm. The answer is the Democrats will not because the youth vote they keep getting excited about does not show up. Mm-hmm. Every year we hear the young people are excited about voting for the Democrats. And every year they're like, meh, they don't, that day they find something else to do. Right. So I keep waiting to be proven wrong that the youth vote will not, will show up. Why is it that the youth vote doesn't show up? Is it, is it, is it along the lines of they think that both parties are, you know, there, corrupt or is it? Well, there's, there's like several ideas. One of the ideas, one of the ideas is that, is that uh, nothing they do will make a difference anyway. Mm-hmm. So why even try? Um, and 
but I think a lot a lot of it nowadays the problem is uh, they f- feel like because they say the right things on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, like oh, Trump's terrible and oh, we got to change, we yeah. got to help the kids at the border. That that's that, making an impact. That's their that feels like, like they contributed. That's their right. accomplishment. Right. But when the actual day comes to go to the polls, it's like, well, I even. You know, mm. I already did my voting all week. Yeah, I, I, I mentally <laughs> support changing things. Yeah. Or I mentally support getting rid of Trump. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's just like the whole. But there's so many more people that are vocal about about politics now. But it's it's just interesting because it's like, oh yeah, fuck Trump. It's like it's. I'm so tired of that. Like it's not an interesting standpoint. Like you're not saying anything. Like it's it's very easy and very obvious to go. What he said is bad, and it's like, yeah, we're all here. We all heard what he said. Like let's let's engage on a slightly more intellectual level and talk about policy and talk about a plan. And you know, it's just I agree with what you're saying that well, people are just like I'm disgusted by we, what he said, but, and then I mean, they're done. You know, but we live in I mean we live in L. A. Like even adults do that. I know. Like even, even we have terrible we have people. terrible voter turnout in L. A. It's like yeah, of course we do, bad. but we have great talk. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, like that's that's. That, a lot of hashtags. Yeah. Right. Hashtag I mean, activism is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I, I sort of, I mean, personally, I even got burnout by politics. Like, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, back. I just like, yeah, it's funny to do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but honestly, like I have, I'm, I'm more like, I, it probably would be better if I just like read books about like the larger trends but on, on some level that does leave me disengaged like i got all the mailers and i remember on like june 5th like on june 5th i was like i'm just gonna be voting for like this democratic ticket like and i literally like i was like i'm gonna read this at some point because i literally like all the mailers i got and mm-hmm, all the information mm-hmm, i got mm-hmm. i kept like pack piling it up in my apartment <laughs> and looking it's at it being like it, there's one day i'm just gonna knock it out and then june 5th came and i was like I could probably read all this right now, fill it out, and take it to the library. Because I, I, I voted n- most in every election. And I honestly, I didn't. I just put it in the trash. And I was like, oh, this, I can get back to my life. Yeah. Well, when you look down, when you get to the, down to the numbers uh, at the polling place, it's still evangelicals and old people. That's who shows up. That's who makes a difference. That's why people forget that California voted against gay marriage. Everyone was shocked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because no people that were pro-gay marriage didn't show up. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. thought, oh, it'll happen. But old people. Even gay people didn't show up. Evangelicals showed up. Yes. They were too busy being fabulous. <laughs> the churchgoers <laughs> all showed up and they had their voice heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, so I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, in that case, it's funny because we were talking about all like, this is like another layer to this concentric circle where we're like, we're talking about like some of the most radical things like constitutional amendments and, and you know, like, and I mean all the, a lot of the things we've discussed like require constitutional amendments. We're talking about like some of the biggest moves, you know, like third party mm-hmm. candidates, changing campaign finance, changing, you know, giving term limits to federal judges, like all these things. And they're huge ideas, but the only thing you really need to do to make them happen is just show up and vote. Get like, people going like, and to be vocal and, and to... Yeah, and to let other people yeah. know it's an issue. But like, and, and yeah, it's sort of, we can do all like the really big conceptual talk, but like we can't get people right. to show up on like yeah. one day. Well, and yeah, now they're to the point where the Democrats will say like, uh, you want to vote? Uh, we'll come pick you up, give you a ride. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll send a bus around to get you. We'll... we'll We'll drag you out of bed and <laughs> throw some clothes on you and take you down to the polling place. Like yeah. we know how lazy you are and mm-hmm. how little you really want to we'll take a step. Yeah. We'll drag you 
to the place. Uh, well, that seems like a pretty good. That's a very broad <laughs> s- spot for us to kind of exit here. So, what what does everybody think? Uh, how from where we stood at the beginning, has anything slightly changed? I know for me, I I am feeling slightly better than I was mm-hmm. because I think we've outlined a couple of really specific things in terms of amendments that are possible, a path for a third party candidate, things like this that I do actually think are in the in the realm of possibility. So I'm feeling a little bit better. However, I still will retain kind of the pessimistic side mm-hmm. of of getting worse. But I think that there's there's a there's a route. I see a path at least. So that's where I'm at. What do you guys think? Well, I I learned from Jacques that to be optimistic, you need to get off social media because mm-hmm. you're, you're you're a lot more optimistic than we are. But I think it's because you're not looking at, mm-hmm. at Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook every day. Um, but uh, I think we should do this podcast again in 2020 after <laughs> Trump wins his re-election and see how, how For sure. enthusiastic we are. Well, yeah, I mean, social media is poison designed to make people money. I mean, I just, I, 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 like, I know that that's a big statement. I'm just going to like, that is a drug. great soundbite. That is a good Poison to a, make people that's money. That's a bumper sticker. No, that's it's like phenomenal. you drink it and I get rich. Like, yeah. you know, and you feel bad all day. And you feel bad and I, you know, get a following. And I even mean that of people who I'm on the side of. It's like, you're, you're, because I think it's weird because there's like this, social media is this weird thing where it can rile you up, but like, it's got a peak when you need to take action. Whereas mm-hmm. like now it's like, Oh, I'm peaking every day. So like everyone just has fatigue. I think, yeah. I, th- I mean, I really think that yeah. in some ways, like too much activism actually like dilutes sort of like concentrated, concerted, yeah. concerted effort at the right yeah. time. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's like, mm-hmm. we all have to jump at the same time and we can't, we're not doing that. Um, yeah. uh, we're just like, everyone's going around telling you're jumping at the wrong time. Like you're yes. jumping at the well, wrong who put time. you in charge. Yeah, I'm in charge of this jumping <laughs> club. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, no, let's all jump. I will say I am more optimistic cause I feel like I've come out of my, uh, cave and I've actually realized that I shouldn't be that judgmental old man. Like, I think, I think there are like actually like five potential routes to change things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, while I'm not <laughs> the comedian to me, I'm like, well, I'm not going to get necessarily like spearhead any of right, that. Right. I, 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 do, I. I do think it, like it's it'd be great if people like worked on on like uh, there are these different there are actually like many pressure points in our mm-hmm. political system. And I, I think I really talking about this stuff has made me realize like our economic conditions uh, do create an opportunity. But of course, like you're right, they also concentrate a bunch of money to make to sort of like make ensure people the contrary. Yeah. ensure the contrary, mm-hmm. but the, but you know the dissatisfaction is growing. I mean, even among Trump voters, like yeah. you know, like they, they, some of them could be our friends, as insane as that is, yeah. because they are dis, they reflect. I mean, some of them reflect a lot of bigotry, but also like dissatisfaction. And so I don't know. I mean, I'm not the biggest Bernie person, but like I, I you know, I I do think more and more. I'm like that's probably who I'm going to end up voting for. Like a guy mm-hmm. like that. In the next ten years, should show up in an election, mm-hmm. or a you know a gal doesn't have to be a guy, but no. But I mean, like Elizabeth, I think Elizabeth Warren's like a really interesting candidate. I don't think maybe she, I mean, she might not play well nationally, mm-hmm. but like she's, she's not going to win the presidency. But like, but she is <laughs> vice like, president, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, but just like really philosophically goes in the direction of the values that I really have. I don't mm-hmm. know. So I am optimistic. Well, that's good. I think all of us at least retained our position or went just an iota in the in the positivity direction. So that's not bad. I think we've achieved something here today. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, that was great, guys. I, I, had, I learned a lot and I had fun. Thanks to both of you guys for coming by. 
Yeah. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. 2020. Everybody Absolutely. vote. You got to do it. You heard I, it. I will vote in the, in the, in the November. One. I'm not giving you a ride to the polls, though. <laughs> <laughs> Walk, guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.